Thanks for tuning in to the Voyage Church Podcast. Our desire is that today's message will be significant for all of us on the voyage of becoming. series <clears throat> i know it's kind of a weird thing to give a golf clap too like yeah it's hurt real bad i love it um but it, i don't have time to recap because we got to get moving and so if you haven't heard any of the weeks go to apple or spotify or podcast you can listen to it but this week is week four the final week of our series next week we'll start a really powerful three-week series on the holy spirit leading up to pentecost which is on may 28th it's going to be really powerful um i have a giving envelope in my pocket and i will give later in jesus name but um so week four, here's the title of this message, The Highway of Holiness. The Highway of Holiness. And now if I was a preacher preacher, I'd have two titles. My second title would be Anointed for Holiness. If I was a preacher preacher preacher, I would have three titles, and I would title it Holy and Humble. Sorry, I have so many titles. I've been chewing on this word, and I've had so many different scriptures, and I was up at 5 a.m. this morning, went to Starbucks, only person in in there, and only went to Starbucks because the only coffee shop open, definitely not the best coffee shop in town, um, but anyways, so I, I was there um, studying and just leaned in and allowing the Lord to just prepare what he had for you today, and so I want you to lean into this um, about holiness, so we're just going to jump right in, Second Timothy 1, verse 9, Second Timothy 1, verse 9, it says this, he, meaning Jesus, has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. Aren't you thankful that you don't have to live your life trying to figure out your purpose? Have you ever heard anybody say that? Like, hey, come on, you need to figure out your purpose. Hey, Josh, you can give me a little bit more light in the room. It's just like a little dark, and if they're dark, and then I know y'all going to just, I know how it happens, okay? Um, I've only slept three hours in like two weeks. It's fine. Um, it's his purpose, not our purpose. It says this grace, whose grace? The grace of Jesus was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Isn't it amazing that God's heart for you to be saved and live a holy life happened before the beginning of time? This is not God going, oops, some stuff happened, let me figure out. He's had it planned. You are not, um, you're not an afterthought. God desired that you would be saved. This word saved in the Bible means rescued from life-threatening danger. I don't know if you've ever met anyone who's been diagnosed with an illness that they should have died from, and then they make it through. They live with a different kind of tenacity. It's different. If you've been saved by Jesus and you really believe in salvation, rescued from life-threatening, supernatural life-threatening danger, man, it should cause us to live different. And what, what kind of difference is that? Living a holy life. Living a holy life. And so... Um, I grew, growing up in church, uh, I don't know if you've ever been, like, made fun of for trying to live Jesus' way. I was in high school living for Jesus, and not that I was perfect while I still had my struggles. For me, it was a very unique thing that uh, God asked me to do some weird stuff. Like, in 10th grade, carry a Bible to school, so I put a Bible in my backpack. He said, no, carry it in your hands. And I was like, God, seriously? Someone's definitely going to say something. He's like, I know, that's the point. That's why I want you to do it. That's just my story. I know some of y'all was like, I was carrying stuff in high school. It wasn't a Bible. <laughs> or if it was, I was using it in pages for something else. I'm just telling you my story. But I'll never forget two of the things that people called me, which, look, like, I wasn't the kind of person that I like, cut people down and, like, use a bunch of foul language because I just always scared of my dad. I feel like if I had a cuss, my dad would have just popped around the corner and then popped me in the mouth. It's just one of those things where you just, like, have this, this fear, healthy, unhealthy, I'm not quite sure, maybe a little bit of both. Like, no, Robbie Teals is just popping out. He just come out of my desk. Yeah. 
ugh, you know? And so I, it's just not how I lived. But when I was l- trying to live for the Lord, even in my struggles, I can remember two things people called me. One was a Bible thumper. And I was like, bro, you have so many foul words you use. That's like the best. That, like, I really think you could have done better than that to make fun of me. I really think there was a better thing you could have done to make yourself feel better. And then I remember getting called a holy roller. And I was like, is this like 1970? Like, dude, I'm in school and like, this is 2005. Like, you just called me a holy roller? And what's interesting about that word, though, is um, a lot of times when it comes to living for Jesus, people, people judge you for thinking you'll judge them. Right? I'll never forget someone calling Shauna and I and apologizing to us by the way that they started living a certain way. They walked away from the Lord. And Shauna and I, I honestly didn't know all that they were doing. I knew that they were away from church, and I continued to pray for them. And they actually called us, or we called them one day to share some news with them because this person was close to us. It was just someone that was important in our lives in a season. We had moved from that city, but we cared about them. So we called to tell them the news about being pregnant with one of our kids. And, and they were like, man, thank you so much for telling me this. I know I haven't talked to you guys in a long time, and I want to apologize because I, I – I thought you guys were judging me by the way that I was living, but I realized what I was actually doing was judging you. I judged you that you were going to judge me. And I was like, dude, I didn't know what you were doing. Like, we had moved to a new city, and then we had kids, and so it was life was crazy. We miss you. And so what I find about the idea of, like, someone being, oh, you're a holy roller. You're holy. It's almost this idea of you think you're better than me. Now, I want to be very clear, and I'm going to say this multiple times today. You and I don't make ourselves holy. Jesus does that. Jesus makes us holy. You can't go to church enough, quote enough scriptures, pray enough prayers, write enough worship songs, you know, do as many Hail Marys as you want. You ain't making yourself holy. We are unholy in nature. He makes us holy. So I want to talk about this idea of holiness today and how it is one of the biggest growing pains because when it comes to living a holy life, there are some things that God's going to ask you to do away with and tell you you can't carry this into the season I'm calling you into. And it, it causes many people to stop or to get off course because it's like, well, this is inconvenient. And I just want you to know Jesus didn't call us to convenience. He called us to a commission. A commission is a mission that he comes up with that we do together, and it's not about us. It's about him. And so in our faith life, if you call yourself follower of Jesus, there are these things that I would call the essentials versus the non-essentials. These are the things that people like to debate about and argue about theologically, right? Um, I've spent a lot of time in Bible college. I'll never forget a guy walking up to my dorm room. Like, literally, I was getting my room set up. He, like, slapped the door frame, and he made these two mentions of these theological scholars, kind of these two guys who have these different standpoints on something. He was like, are you this or this? And I'm just like brand new, haven't even had a Bible college class yet. Thankfully, I had a youth pastor who mentored me, and I was just, 1 Corinthians 2.2 came to my mind. I was like, I choose to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. And he like rolled his eyes at me and like walked down the hallway because he didn't like that I quoted the Bible. Um, Because he wanted to know what theological man I sided with. And just side with Jesus. Jesus actually isn't even here to take sides. He's here to take over, right? And so I'm just not going to get caught in that game. But I want you to know today that when it comes to the essentials, holiness is an essential. Some of the essentials are like the redemption of humanity has to happen 
through, there is no forgiveness of sin without the shedding of blood. That's an essential. Blood has to be shed for there to be forgiveness. In the old covenant, it was the blood of animals. In the new covenant, it was the final blood of the final lamb, Jesus. That's an essential, right? You can't be someone and be like, well, I believe in Jesus, but I don't really know about the whole, like, blood, like, you know, being the payment for my, for my sin. No, that's an essential. Like, it has to be. You might as well go spend something else an hour on Sunday if we're not going to believe that the, blood, the shed blood of Jesus paid our penalty, right? They're essentials. Then there's, like, the non-essentials. The non-essentials would be someone being like, well, I, I really want to argue with you about tongues. And I always tell people, like, dude, I'm not really here to argue about tongues. You can sit in this room and believe whatever you want to believe about it. I, I use analogies like this. The, the majority of the world right now, just this, uh, this past week, 25 churches burned down um, in India and Christians killed because there's persecution happening. The majority of the world, this is illegal. And yet Christianity is exploding in those nations. Why? Because Christianity is the only faith that you can persecute and it grows. We can show you time and time again through history. It is the only faith that can constantly be persecuted and they can't kill Christians quick enough. You see it all throughout, the, all throughout church history. And so if someone's like, well, I want to argue with you about tongues and what you believe. Well, first off, it's in the Bible. So like you just might as well just read what the Bible says about it. Second of all, I have this thought. Let's say this becomes illegal. Let's say we're not allowed to meet here, okay? So let's say what we're having to do is be secretive and, hey, we're going to have to do house churches. So Voyage is going to have these secret underground house churches. My friend Patrick over here, he builds apps. I have him build me a fake app that looks like Jimmy John's on the front end, but on the back end we have in church, y'all, okay? I don't know. Look, you go ahead and just know if something happens legally, Voyage Church Jesus said you'd be gentle as doves, but as crafty as serpents. We about to come up with some stuff, y'all. Get ready. But let's just say this is what we have to do. So we're meeting in homes, right? Now, let's say a woman walks in to the group, the home group, because it's illegal for us to gather this way. And she shows up as a group of friends, but they're actually there to do church and study the Bible. And she walks in weeping, falls to the floor. And someone's like, what's wrong? Where, where's Mike? And she was like, they found a Bible at his work today, and he got arrested. And she's weeping, and she just begins, and she's rocking back and forth weeping. She just begins to speak in tongues, which the Bible says the Holy Spirit can intercede with words and groans that cannot be understood, which meaning when you don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit can pray for you. Again, I don't really care what you believe about it. I'm just telling you what the Bible says about it. But my thought is this. If they're rocking back and forth speaking in tongues, do you really want to argue about tongues right now? Like, who's going to be the person that says, um, ma'am, excuse me, I just kind of have a theological issue with that. Stop for a second. Stop for a second. No one's doing this. Non-essential. Available, and we have a Holy Spirit series coming up, so make sure you show up the next few weeks. But essential is the holiness of God, that he is holy, he makes us holy, and we have a call to live on what I would call, or even the Bible would call, you'll see in a second, the highway of holiness. Now, i got to define some words for you because... Um, we're in week four of growing pains, so these are going to be a little uncomfortable, but that's okay because that's why we have a Holy Spirit who's called a comforter, right? Why would we need a comforter if it was all comfortable? But you need this, and you need to define these so that you and I can live in holiness. Number one is sin. What is sin? Have you ever heard sin? People say, stop sinning. Your sin's going to send you to hell. Like, sin, 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 right? And then you come to church, and then everybody feels bad about their sin, and they're like, I thought this gospel was good news. Why do I feel bad? Well, it's usually because someone hasn't had a revelation of the goodness of God. They just know the badness of sin, forgive my grammar there, and then they just make you feel really bad, hoping that it'll cause you to turn. And that's not the gospel. 
So sin is this, in the, in the Hebrew, the actual Hebrew word would mean wrongdoing, that which is an offense against a standard. So if you're taking notes, write that down. Sin, it's wrongdoing, an offense against a standard. Now for us, we talk about God's standard, but really sin could be anything you do wrong against any standard. Mom and dad said curfew is at 10. You could quote unquote sin, right? I mean, it's their standard, so it's not like they can smite you to hell or anything, but you broke mom and dad's standard. And then guess what? You complained about the consequences and got your phone taken away. And sorry if I'm prying right now. I apologize. How does he know? Sin is wrongdoing that which against, it's an offense against a standard. We would say God's standard. Now, you'll see sin and the word iniquity together often. Iniquity is spelled I-N-I-Q-U-I-T-Y. If you don't know how to spell it, just talk to me later. Iniquity is different, though, because it'll say that God will forgive us of our sin and iniquity. What is iniquity? Iniquity is wrongdoing, but the focus on the guilt that you get when you do wrong. This is why if Jesus just forgave sin and didn't deal with iniquity, you would be forgiven, but you'd be walking around feeling guilty. Jesus comes to deal with the guilt and the shame. He deals with the guilt and the shame, which now allows you to have your story and your testimony as a powerful platform because you're not living in guilt and shame. You're not ashamed any longer because your sin and iniquity have been forgiven. Now, the word after that that I would want to define for you is repentance. Maybe you've been, been in church, <coughs> excuse me, maybe you haven't. Some people are like, well, repent, repent, repent. And it sounds like the super uber traditional churchy word. And can I just apologize to you on behalf of the church for screwing up like a really simple good word? Repent means this, change your mind. Repent, repent means change your mind. There's actually a scripture in the old covenant that says God is not a man that he should lie. And in a traditional translation, it would say, nor can he change his mind. But it would actually, in the traditional one, say, nor can he repent. Well, of course God can't repent. He's perfect. What does he need to repent from? But the, it would actually mean in the original language, God can't change his mind. Can I just tell you that when it comes to your sin and your wrongdoing, God loves you and his love is towards you and he can't change his mind about you? You can't sin enough or screw up enough to change God's mind about you. That God is for you and he's not against you. His love is towards you and it's in hot pursuit after you. And you can't do anything to change God's mind towards you. But if you want to walk in what he has for you, you're going to have to change your mind. Your standards are going to have to be given up, and you're going to have to change your mind to live by his standards. And this is where it gets uncomfortable because it's like, yeah, but me and my boyfriend do things that I know, like, church should say I shouldn't do. No, no, church doesn't say you shouldn't do that. The Bible says that the marriage bed is the only bed that's undefiled, meaning that, sorry, I'm looking for, like, young ones, intimacy created by God and for God, I always tell people, try to be careful if there's little ones in the room, good intimacy is capable in or out of marriage. can feel good. But blessed intimacy only happens in covenant. God, can, God is only, because he's not a man that he should lie, God is only allowed to bless what is inside of covenant. I know this gets a little awkward right here, and, like, your neck is hot if you're in this room and you feel it, and then you're like, oh, my gosh, everyone else can see that my neck's red? No, we can't. It's dark enough. You're fine. Holy, it means to be removed from common use. There's this moment where Peter kind of has this debacle with the Lord sitting on a rooftop in, in the book of Acts, and, and, and they're talking, and the Lord basically has to tell them, talking about food that you can eat and can't eat, and the Lord says, hey, don't you call common what I've made uncommon. 
And I love the fact that holy means removed from common use. Can I just tell you that when you walk into your workplace as a spirit-filled believer, you're the most uncommon thing in the room. And you're the most needed thing that needs to be in that place. Some of you, your household is the most uncommon household in the neighborhood. Because you treat your wife different. You apologize when you're wrong. You're quick to apologize. You don't, turn, you don't uh, put your kids down. You're constantly trying to figure out how to build them up. You're uncommon when it comes to following and pursuing holiness. And that's what holy is, removed from common use. It can also mean to be subject to special treatment, which is why God gets worshiped and we don't, right? And then consecrated, or simply holy means, when we sing holy to God, we're simply saying without sin. Now, I know you could be like, Pastor John, I'm really confused because I thought you just told me to be holy. But I can't be without sin. You're right, you can't. But the one who is without sin is the only one that could pay for your sin. And so a call to holiness, I want to be very clear today, is not a call to perfection. But it's a call to pursuing something and someone that is perfect. Because if you're honest, go pull anything up in your life, your schooling, your job, your spouse, your kids, your hobbies, none of them's perfect. And if you put all of your effort and energy into any one of those things, you are pursuing the imperfect. Can I tell you that you were created to pursue the perfect? You were created to pursue the perfect, and that's what holiness is. He's without sin. He makes me as if I have no sin because he forgives it so that I can pursue his purpose for my life. The last word I want to define for you is this, anointed. The word anointed in the Bible, it's unique, is that you see a lot of different kind of anointings. Jacob takes a nap, and he wakes up, has this moment with God, and he sticks a rock upright, and he pours oil all over the rock, and he anoints the rock. And he basically makes it a place as an altar and calls this is the place where surely the Lord is. So anointing is to just set something apart for God, to be anointed. So I want to to be very clear. Holy is I'm separated from something that I no longer engage in. Even though I might struggle, guess what? There's grace, there's forgiveness. But I don't willingly live in that any longer because I want to pursue holiness. Once I've been made holy by God, not by me, now God anoints me. So I've been separated from, so I can be separated for. This is very important because if you and I just say, well, God's made me holy and, you know, I'm not a sinner in his eyes anymore and I'll just hang around and enjoy this life till I die and go to heaven. We miss it because what we miss is purpose. Do you know how many Christians are going to die and go to heaven but live their whole life on earth with no purpose? No purpose. Dr. Miles Monroe just one of the very influential people in my life. He passed away, wrote a lot of books about the kingdom of God that just impacted me greatly. But he talks about cemeteries, and he says cemeteries are some of the wealthiest places in the world. He said there lies so much untapped purpose and potential. I don't want to die with any more in me. And so, God, make me holy the only way you can. God, anoint me and give me purpose so that I can show people that it's you. Okay, Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 8. Some of you are like, are you going to read the Bible? Yes, I am. Isaiah 6, 1 through 8. It was in the year King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. Don't have time to explain it all, but Uzziah started as king as a godly man seeking the Lord. As God gave him success, pride entered in. And by the time Uzziah got to the end of his life, he ended up actually just kind of getting away from the uh, the 
the, the kingdom and just living on his own until he died, but he wasn't living for the Lord any longer. And so he had actually led the people of God, the, the children of Israel, astray. And so it's very important that Isaiah says it was the year King Uzziah died because he's about to get a message from the Lord to go to the people of Israel and give them God's ways because he's about to help get them back on track. Look what it says. It says, in the year King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. So I need you to know Isaiah's seeing a vision here. This vision correlates with Revelation chapter 4, which is great, because it shows us there's a congruency in Scripture from Old Covenant to New Covenant. So the same John on the island of Patmos, Isaiah here is seeing something that looks very, very similar. Go read Revelation 4 this week, and you'll go, oh, wow, there's quite a few similarities with the throne and the seraphim and all these things, okay? Sorry for being a Bible thumper. With it says, attending him were mighty seraphim having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. And with two wings, they covered their feet. <clears throat> and with two wings, they flew. They were calling out to each other, holy, 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 or without sin, without sin, without sin is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Their voices shook the temple to its foundations, and the entire building was filled with smoke, which we can see that. We'll see in a few weeks when it comes to the day of Pentecost. They were in the upper room, smoke-filled. When Moses was leading the children of Israel, there was a cloud of smoke that was leading them. So we see this is the presence of God that fills. It says, then I said, I want you to look what Isaiah does. Isaiah has a vision. He's in the presence of God, and he goes, it's all over. I'm doomed, for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips, and I live among people with filthy lips. What a worship song. God, I just wrote the next best top worship song for you. I'm terrible. And that's basically what he says. In the presence of God, I'm awful. Now, this is the man chosen to be the mouthpiece for God, by the way. Already has done things for God. I'm terrible. I'm trash. What am I doing here? I need you to know, all joking aside, the closer you get to the presence of God, the more things will begin to rise to the surface that you realize, dang, I didn't even know that was there. Where did that come from? That's still in me? And it's not God shaming you. It's him getting the things out of you that are holding you back from being the you that he died for you to live to be. I just gave you a lot more than maybe you realize. It is not him shaming you. It is him getting the things out of you that he died for you to walk in. Those things were holding you back from what he died for you to walk in. He's getting it out. So Isaiah makes the statement, I'm no good, basically. And, and again, he says, among people with filthy lips. Why? Because these are the people that King Uzziah led astray. Yet I have seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. One of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs. He touched my lips with it and said, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed, or iniquity, and your, sin are, and your sins are forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom should I send as a messenger to the people, and who will go for us? Isaiah, I said, here I am, send me. I need you to notice what happened in here. In God's presence, I'm no good, I'm terrible, what is happening? God by the angel, grabs a coal, puts it on Isaiah's lips, because he just said, I'm a man of filthy lips, touches his lips, and says, hey, your guilt and your sins are now removed. Did Isaiah do that work for himself? No. Divinity did that work for him. 
An angel did that work. I, I got to be very clear here that a burning coal, I know in the Bible you can hear about God's fire and hellfire. Hellfire is torment. God's fire is to burn up anything that should not be in you so that you and I look more closely like Jesus. I want holy fire burning in me. God, burn up anything that shouldn't be here. Thoughts that I don't want to linger any longer. God, ways that I've talked to my spouse and my kids for far too long. God, the doubts, the depression, the the self-harm thoughts. God, burn it up. So this coal touching him is a representation. Hey, I'm removing from you what you can't remove from yourself. Now notice, he didn't go to all the people with filthy lips and touch all their lips. He touched one person and said, who will be the messenger? I need you to know that when you're made holy by Jesus and then anointed by Jesus, he's not going and just walking into your workplace be like, I'll just anoint everybody up in here. Everybody in Amazon, come close. I'm just going to anoint all y'all. No, he's going to anoint you, and he's going to send you there. The question is this. Will you and I, when we are made holy by God, Will we be made holy and be like, okay, well, I'm a Christian. You ever met a Christian atheist? You ever met one? They say they believe in God, but they live like you don't exist. I'm not interested. If he made me holy and then he asked a question, I wonder who would go for us. Do you realize the only thing that would have stopped Isaiah from being the one that God would send was Isaiah? Not his sin, not the devil, Isaiah. If Isaiah would have kept his mouth shut when the Lord said, whom shall I send and who will go for me? The only person that would stop Isaiah is Isaiah. Some of you think that your past, your sin, your shame, and your guilt is your disqualification to be used by God. God takes care of that. Easy money. Will you answer the call when he calls? Will you say, God, send me into my workplace? God, send me into my home. College student, will you say, God, send me into my home where my dad's an alcoholic and doesn't care, and he just laughs at me that I spend time at church? God, here I am. Send me. Because when God makes us holy, he then gives us a call. Will we answer the call? And when you answer it, he'll anoint you so you won't have to live that out in your own power. And that's exactly what happened with Jesus. Now, I need you to understand today i got to go really fast. Jesus, help me. If you do not seek holiness, if I do not seek holiness, by default, I will radiate filthiness in my life. As I, you can't miss that because here's the thing. We talked about it week one if you were here week one. You don't drift your way into spiritual maturity. You don't drift your way into holiness. He makes you holy, but if you want to stay holy, you don't do it by accident. You do it on purpose. And so if we don't seek holiness, I just want you to know we live in a world that is ruled by the kingdom of darkness. You do know that, right? The Bible says that Satan is the ruler of this world. No, I thought God. God is God, but right now in the earth, Satan is the prince of this air. Until Jesus comes back and there's a new heaven and a new earth, and that new means that he's going to restore all of it. This is when I start getting into the Christianity part. We're like, wait, yeah, he's showing up, tatted, king of kings, lord of lords. He's going to look like better than Brad Pitt on Troy. And he's going to be on his white horse, and he's coming down, robe dipped in blood, coming to get his kids. And he's going to deal with some stuff, and he's going to restore all things. And it's going to be so sick. <laughs> and I'm going with him. Could you imagine being the ones like, dang, they were right, you know? Not me. I'm going. 
And here's the thing. If you're in here like, I don't know, I just struggle believing it. Dude, why don't you just believe it? And then if it's not real, you just end up dirt in the ground. But what if you didn't believe it and it was real? That sounds like the people in Titanic, right? We don't, we don't need lifeboats. It's unsinkable. But what happens if it sinks? I'd have rather had them. I mean, the door was big enough for both of them, but y'all know. Anybody had that debate? If we don't seek holiness, we'll radiate filthiness. Listen to me. You will radiate what you tolerate. I'll give you a second to write that one down until I give you the last one, which is worse than that one. And what you tolerate will dominate your life. What do you tolerate? Because when it comes to the things of darkness, filthiness in the world, I know it's not popular preaching, and I'm never going to be the pastor who's going to get up and say, don't do this, don't do that, don't do this. I will tell you clearly what the Bible says don't do. But when it comes to personal convictions, I'm not going to be here like, don't listen to that music and don't watch these things. You should get alone with the Holy Spirit and ask him if he gives you permission to engage in those things. Some of you are like, well, I don't know how to do that. Well, that means you need a close relationship with the Holy Spirit. You should come for the next three weeks. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. But when you have a relationship with him, here's the reality. Many of us claim Jesus. And I don't know if you know, but your eyes and your ears are gateways to your soul. And some of us are laying our eyes on things that Jesus would never lay his eyes on. And some of us are allowing things in that Jesus would never listen to. Some of us are partaking in things that Jesus would never partake in. Because one of the interesting things about Jesus, a lot of times pastoring young people will be like, well, Pastor John, I'm going to go to the bar because I'm going to like help people at the bar. Well, that's what Jesus did. Well, here's the interesting thing Jesus did. A lot of times we go hang out with sinners and we sin like sinners. When Jesus hung out with sinners, Jesus didn't act like sinners. Sinners changed and started acting like Jesus. So we got to ask ourselves, are you walking in the power that Jesus walked in? And the reason I say that is because before you ever try to come up with a, man, I'm going to be there, I'm going to help them, are you pursuing holiness? Because holiness will mark you in such a way that people are like, bro, there's something different about him. Are you sure you want to invite him over? Because I don't know, man, when he's here, I just, like, feel weird. The reason you feel weird is not because I'm judging you or I'm like, oh, I'm better than you. It's because when I walk in and I pursue holiness, the Holy Spirit, who is the convincer, he's actually speaking that probably what you're engaging in, you already know is not fulfilling you, and he's calling you to a better way. And it's, it's not a judgmental thing. It's the loving kindness of God drawing people to repentance, to change their mind. So we can't tolerate sin. Actually, when you've said yes to Jesus, you and I should be dominating sin. Now, I'm not saying you won't struggle. I'm not saying that we're going to be perfect. But I'm saying, man, if you think about the power that raised Christ from the dead, like, come on. So what am I tolerating? And for some of us, the stuff that's dominating us, it's literally just not going to do that anymore. The other day, Sean and I, there was a, um, there was some stuff on the TV, and just Summer Kate came in, and I just the, we were with some people, and I just said, hey, we're going to change the TV because I just can't let that inside my daughter's ears. It was just like a movie. Again, not like super, super terrible, but just stuff that words and maybe some action stuff that I just don't want. It's my responsibility to guard her heart and shepherd her soul. Some people are like, oh, you put her in a bubble. No, no, don't put her in a bubble. We're to be in the world and not of the world. But I do understand that I have a responsibility that if anything's going to get in here and get in here in her heart, I'm going to make sure that it's the things of God first. Because here's the reality. Whatever gets in comes out. Whatever comes out, you'll attract. What do you want to attract? What do you want to attract? I want, I want to find favor with God. I want broken people to be able to come to me and say, what do you have? 
And one of the things Shauna and I have said for years is I can't give you what I've got. I've got my own personal relationship with God, but I can show you where to go find one. You can go get your own. You go get all you want because there's more of him than you could ever find this side of heaven. And it makes so much sense that you and I, because I want to be very clear, this is not God makes me holy and then I just wait around and try to get out of here. Like growing up, I grew up in a more traditional church. Like when we all get to heaven, I'm like, I'll fly away. Why are we trying to leave so bad? Why is everybody trying to get out of here? Jesus said in John 17, I'm not asking you to take them out of the world. He's speaking to the Father, but keep them safe from the evil one. They do not belong to the world any more than I do. Make them holy by your truth. So what makes you holy? God's truth. Teach them your word, which is truth. Just as you sent me into the world, I'm sending them into the world. He ain't sending us to heaven. Heaven's where you go when your purpose is fulfilled. The earth is where you go when you've got a purpose to live out. I am sending them into the world, and I give myself as a holy sacrifice. Why? Because you can't make yourself holy. He makes us holy for them so that they can be made holy by your truth. And then I love this because we could read this and be like, well, that was just Jesus sitting there talking to his disciples, praying to God. Disciples are hanging around. I love the fact that Jesus is praying. The disciples are around, but he includes you and I. He says, I am praying not only for these disciples, the ones that are in his presence, the one in earshot, but also for all who will ever believe in me through their message. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whosoever believes. Guess what? You're a whosoever. Yeah, 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 but you don't know my past. Woe is me. I'm, I'm a man of unclean lips. I'm a woman of unclean lips. That's okay. God can work with that. Whosoever will. I don't know if I can be the one for him. To say, I don't know if I can. Man, I've got stuff. i got baggage. I don't know if I can pursue holiness. Whosoever will. He's not taking you out of the world. He's keeping you here. To be made holy and anointed so that people, here's what the world needs. The world needs a group of people who are living holy to say, bro, what is that? What is that? And not in a, we're better than anyone. I found the one who's better. His name's Jesus. Holiness makes us distinct from the world. Isaiah 35, 8 says this. Worship team, you guys come up. And a great road will go through that once deserted land. It will be named the highway of holiness. I love it. God, find me there. Evil-minded people will never travel on it. It will be only for those who walk in God's ways. So does that mean it's only for a select group of people, or is it for the whosoever walk in God's ways? So it is for everyone. There's just one requirement. His standard, not yours. Actually says fools will never walk there. The highway of holiness. Can I tell you, there's no super, supernatural Tesla for the highway of holiness. You can't put it on autopilot. You are going to have to stay committed. So I got three things. I got five things. I'm going to do it fast. That's why I put the band behind me because it goes faster. Let me tell you how holiness works in your life. You need to understand this. Otherwise, you'll end up beating yourself over the head, trying to figure out, thinking that you're not doing a good enough job. Holiness has more to do with believing in the job that's already been done by Jesus and being committed to it than you doing a better job. You can't do a better job as a Christian. Or you know the people who are like, I'm just trying to be a good Christian. No, there's woe is me, I am doomed, I am terrible, and there is Christian. Well, I'm a good Christian, I'm a bad Christian. You're Christian, meaning that you've said yes to Jesus, 
didn't even call him. Christian was actually a bad term to use in the Bible. Anyways, he was a follower of the way. And it's because you realize you couldn't make yourself right with God. Jesus does that. So here's how holiness works. Number one, by way of righteousness. Righteousness, when you accept Christ, you become righteous. I want to be very clear. You don't make yourself righteous. He does it. So everybody's clear. The holy and righteous position that you hold happens by him. And you have one requirement, faith in Jesus. Yeah, yeah, but don't I need to go to church? Nope. Yeah, yeah, but don't I need to, like, start reading my Bible? Nope. To be made righteous and holy, you have to believe in the Christ. Now, if you want victory in life, yeah, yeah, you better get in a local house and be planted. David said, he who plants himself in the house of the Lord will flourish. If you've been wondering why you haven't been flourishing, it's probably because you're not planted. Go ahead and let your wife or husband go to Lowe's, buy a bunch of plants, and plant them in the front yard. The next day, let them wake up and remove those plants from the front yard, put them in the backyard. The next day, let them wake up and say, you know what, I was thinking the side of the house instead. Put them on the side of the house. Do it one more time on the other side of the house for good measure. And then wherever you leave them, see how well they do. They won't do well because they were moved so often from the original place of planting. So the second thing of how holiness works is living in holiness. So what does that look like? Can I just tell you simply what holiness is? Because I know you could hear this whole message and be like, I need to live holy. But what the heck is holiness? Write this down. This, this is like bread and butter. This helps you for the rest of your life and make it really easy. Holiness is simply you conforming to the word of God. Yeah, but I think it doesn't matter. If, if, it's, if it's not his ways, it's no longer your ways. Because he's the way, the truth, and the life. Holiness is simply in every aspect of your life, even the aspects where you're like, as you get closer to Jesus, what I realize is I'll be doing something, and I'll go, dang, that's not holiness. I didn't even realize it. There's grace because I didn't even know. I thought my whole life, I talked with someone this week, that sinning was about doing wrong things. And then I read James 2.17. You know what that says? I don't have it on the screen because the Holy Spirit just gave it to me right now. It says, for they that know the right thing to do and fail to do it, for them it is sin. I was like, dang it. It's sin to do the wrong thing and it's sin to just fail to do the right thing? Yeah. Because it's not about this doom and gloom word sin. It's about you and I have to pursue God's standard to be able to live a fulfilled life. This is not God, oh, well, there's one sin. Oh, there's another. Goodness, Johnny, what are you doing? No, he's, his loving kindness is towards you, and he's, presenting, pre, he's presenting his standard saying, hey, here's my standard. With all, with, with all that you have, love me with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul. Pursue this. There's grace. There's, there's grace for this. Pursue this. But this is where the fulfilled life is. And the third thing is this, sanctified. This is how holiness works, righteousness. Then to live in holiness is to conform, and then sanctified means you're being set apart. It's a process. So can I just tell you today, no one's saying today that you better, like, run through the laundry list of your life and be like, I got to get rid of everything. Get closer to Jesus, and the closer you get to him, you'll start going, ah, I don't know. I just don't go out with those friends anymore. And it honestly doesn't even fulfill me anymore because I found the closer I get to him, it's not even fun. Kind of sick and tired of waking up not even knowing what I did the night before anyways. I'd like to know a little bit about life. Be fun. Have some memories. Hold on to them. 
You know, the only reason that people live in those kinds of pockets is usually you just need a community that's committed to self-sabotage with you. But what if you found a community that was committed to you being more selfless instead of selfish? That's the kingdom of God. So these last five things I give you, and these are really important. I heard these years ago in 2017. Might have been 18 or 17. On staff at a church, Shauna and I, we were in our revival, which was like a conference that we did. And a pastor came and preached on holiness, and he gave these five things in his message. And I'm just telling you my story, but, like, I was raised in a more traditional home, so, like, you know, my parents were pretty well acquainted with what I watched and all those kinds of things. So I didn't watch, like, rated R movies or stuff like that. But my first rated R movie was Saving Private Ryan. My dad was like, hey, son, you're going to watch this. This is going to be gory. But it really happened. I was like, okay. So it just has to really happen, and I can watch rated R movies. I guess that's how this works. Then the Passion of the Christ came out. I was like, well, that really happened, so we can watch this rated R. And I know this seems silly to you, but this is why it's very important you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm not going to tell you to not watch rated R movies, but I'm going to tell you that for a, I'm a movie guy. I love filmmaking. I love the creativity of it. I, I'm super involved in our creative team here. I love to dream and come up with ideas. Sean and I have just always, like, leading young people are always just trying to be creative. We serve the creator, and so I love movies. So, yeah, I, for a long time, watched all different kinds of movies. And as a Christian, I was like, well, if it gets to that scene, I'll fast forward. And if it gets here, I'll do this. Um, and I'm just telling you, my story is that I was at that conference. He preached on holiness, and the Lord said, no rated R movies. And I was like, that has to be the devil. I know that's the devil. And I was like, God, come on. The Bible doesn't say that. Like, and, I just, and I know it might seem weird to you. It was just a personal thing he was doing in me. And I, I wrestled with it. So I'm so dumb, but I just wrestled with it. And I was like, but the Lord, there's going to be some good movies that are going to come out. They're like, you know, I don't agree with all the stuff, but, but I got enough of you in me. I won't get that in me. And he said, John, this isn't even about do I think you're, it's going to take you down this crazy path. I want to know, do you think there's going to be some good movies that are, forgive my grammar, gooder than me and what I can show you for the rest of your life? You have one life to know me on this planet. And so for me, I heard these five things, and I made that change. Now, again, I'm not telling you to make that change. I'm just telling you it's a personal conviction. But these five things shifted something in me. Number one is this. Write this down. Make God's word your first priority. This is not your last response. This is your first resort. This is the first thing you run to, the first thing you go to. Number two is this. Choose to do things his way, not yours. This is when you and I are committed to his standard. And if you're like, well, I've been doing this, but I don't actually know what God says about it. Stop it until you find out what God says about it. And if you find out God didn't really say anything about it, and you're like, well, I kind of keep doing it, then okay. But there are very clear things in here that we can't compromise on because we have a call to holiness. We have to be on the highway to holiness. Number three is this. This is the most important. And can I just be very clear when I say this? There's going to be some older people in the room who are going to immediately think, yeah, young people need to do that. No, all of us need to do this. Build parameters and boundaries around the anointing of God on your life. Young people, and older people, if you ain't married, young people, you are not going to park in a dark parking lot with your boyfriend or girlfriend and talk. I know. I was in Bible college making dumb choices. 
I know. If you live in a city that puts guardrails and ditches, I would just ask you to sell your house and move because you have some very weird leadership leading your community. Because guardrails don't go in ditches. Guardrails go before ditches. Because when you hit a guardrail, it's to keep you out of the ditch. Some of us have never stopped to set up godly parameters and boundaries and guardrails to keep us from the things that will cause destruction. If I hit a guardrail, a little bit of scratches, car still runs. Fall into a ditch, who knows? Could be totaled. You need to put parameters in your life. I am so proud of when many godly men in our church have come up to me and said, Pastor John, I'm going to put this app on my phone because I'm looking at stuff I have no business looking at. It's going to send you an email every single month of my search history. Will you do that for me? Absolutely. God is honored by your willingness, man of God, that to be honest with your struggle and to say, but I want holiness. I want it. Then set up the parameters and boundaries. God is honored. Stop hiding it and thinking, and that's for ladies too. 35% of women are addicted. Well, if you knew that statistic, that's the reality. Set up godly parameters. Number four, invest in the right relationships. Do you have a mentor? Do you have a godly spiritual mentor? Young or old, can I tell you that one of the mentors, I got many mentors. One of my mentors who's like a theological mentor in my life, he's younger than me. I'll be 35 in a week. He's in his 20s. I call him often. He's one of the sharpest people theologically I know. He's a mentor of mine in that regard. I don't, age doesn't matter. Invest in the right relationships for the sake of holiness. And number five, you can stand to your feet after you write it down. Live a repentant life. Live a repentant life. Live a life that when you mess up, because you will, holiness is not perfection. Holiness is a pursuit of the perfect one. Come on, once you've written it down, you can stand up. If you weren't writing anything down, well, you better find somebody because that's a message you want notes from. Amen? Live a repentant life. What does that mean? Live a life of constantly changing your mind to his ways, not your ways. When you, when you drift off the highway of holiness, go ahead and get back. Repent. Change your mind. Get back. Matthew 3.8 says this. Live a life that keeps with repentance. I want to be very clear today because these are the messages I grew up around. And these messages are the messages that are like, well, man, I was just basically told I'm not good enough and I need to do better. This is not a do better message. This is a God is better. His way is the best way. But you and I do have a responsibility to press in and say, God, is there anything that you need me to remove for the sake of holiness? This is a growing pain, and can I tell you that this growing pain stops more people than most. Hey, Justin, can you put the scripture on the screen for me, Galatians 5, the Galatians 5, 9? I found so many people who are not willing to run on the highway of holiness, and this is what happens. You were running the race so well. Who has held you back from following the truth? It certainly isn't God, for he's the one who called you to freedom. Can I just say to, to, to Voyage Church today, I know we're, we're a little bit different. We worship a little bit harder, a little bit more zealous. We preach a little bit longer. We linger a little bit longer. But can I just say that 
I believe that the people who are pressed in, I don't want that verse to ever be able to be contextually pointed to me. I'm staying on the highway of holiness. And when I drift, I'm repenting. I'm coming back because I don't want to be held back from the thing that brought me freedom in the first place. And so last week, last week, if you were here, powerful about your pain. But today is a little bit more difficult because it's about the things that you and I tolerate and we allow. And I want you to know, God, by his grace and his loving kindness, is offering you an opportunity to bring things before him and say, God, I know that this can't go with me where you're calling me. So God, will you sanctify me? God, will you set me apart? God, will you forgive me? Will you cleanse me? Will you wash me? Will you make me new? And guess what? You might say it today, and you got to say it on Monday, and on Tuesday, and on Wednesday, and on Thursday. Just keep saying it. You keep repenting and keep pursuing holiness. So I'm going to pray over you. The team's going to lead us for just a few minutes. But I, I, I can't let you leave without opening the altar that if you need to come down here and say, God, I want to pursue holiness. There's people already moving right now. I'm giving you an opportunity to not leave this space to say, God, I want to pursue holiness. Some of you, it's not an altar moment. Some of you, it's come to a man of God, a woman of God in your life and say, hey, I need you to hold me accountable. I want to live God's way. I want to pursue his ways. And his grace is present for us to pursue holiness. So Jesus, we come before you right now. We thank you that you make us holy by your truth, God. God, may we walk in truth the way, the truth, and the life. It's you, Lord. God, may we not be a people who go to church, but we miss the purpose that's found in pursuing holiness. God, we're willing to be uncomfortable for the sake of freedom. So, Lord, I speak over every man and woman under the sound of my voice. God, that you stir a deep desire to long to pursue a holy life that's set apart. But, God, will you anoint us? God, we'll be the ones. Here we are. Send us. God, not to go in and be better than anybody, but, God, to just go in and show people that you are the better one. You're the better way. Nothing the world has to offer is better than you, God. We pursue you right now, Jesus. Thanks for tuning in. Make sure to check us out on thevoyage.church to stay updated on everything God is doing in our city.